this morning, <clears throat> I brought a, a cake top with me. And it's the last one that I actually have from a birthday dinner uh, several days ago. My wife made a great cake, and another family member made these cake tops. And the fact is, if, if you know me and you know my love for sweets, you know that two desserts on your birthday dinner makes it a great dinner. If you don't mind, um, since this is my last one, I'm going to have a bite of it right now. I wanted to get my water because you always got to wash it down. I can tell you it's excellent. It's a little taste of heaven. And you know what? I'm sorry, but I don't have any to share. I'm not really that sorry. But I also have with me this piece of broccoli. There's applause for broccoli. Broccoli is probably a whole lot healthier than cake tops, we would agree. It's got more nutritional value. It's good, but it doesn't compare to a cake pop. Now, you know, the fact is, is I'm not going to taste this broccoli because, you know what, I already know what it tastes like. And here's the bonus. I'm willing to share it with you with anyone after the church service. You can have it. Well, that cake pop and the, the broccoli illustrate the extremes of life. A diet of only cake pops might sound really fantastic, but it would leave us with a much larger waistline and probably some very poor health, maybe even some rotted out teeth. Now, eating our friend here broccoli would certainly be a healthy way to eat. But you know what? I think a life of eating only broccoli would be missing some of our greatest God-given joys. Cake pops do bring joy. But the key here is balance. A balanced diet we know is good. A balanced life is even better. Sometimes our Christian life gets a little out of balance. It gets a little out of whack. And balance begins with a firm foundation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all the good things that you give us in this life. You provide what we need to be healthy, to be strong. You also give us little tastes of heaven to enjoy. And Father, sometimes we get out of balance. We go to extremes, and it's not just with our food. We get out of balance with how we live and maybe what we believe. It's not healthy. It's not the best way to live. And so we always thank you for the forgiveness that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Word, the, the Bible, keeps us on track. And we know that there's times when your Word provides warnings to us. And we're actually very thankful for those warnings because it shows that you love us that much. And so we ask that you would be with us this morning. Open our hearts and ears to hear. May we seek the truth and apply it to our life. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us, this is the fifth week of our message series from Colossians, which is called A New You in Christ. In previous weeks, we've talked about the problems facing the Colossian church. They experienced bad teaching from a, a misguided leader. Someone was attempting to lead the church astray. In the beginning of his letter, Paul, the Apostle Paul went 
to great truth to point out, or great lengths to point out the truth concerning Jesus. Jesus is one with the Father. Jesus is preeminent over all of creation. Jesus is in charge. He's our Savior. And then last week we discussed being filled up with Jesus. Paul wrote of several truths that are part of that are being filled. The first we saw was that we are set apart. We're holy. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. As Christians, we're to look different. Second, we're dead to sin. Sin's no longer our master. The Holy Spirit gives us power to resist temptation. And sure, we still sin. But again, it's not our master. And then third, we are forgiven. Through Christ, all of your sins, all of my sins in the past, the present, and the future are forgiven. And then finally, last week, we talked about how we are the victors. Jesus' victory on the cross is also our victory. Our hope for today and our security for eternity is safe. And that brings us to the reading for today. And Paul kind of, he kind of switches gears on us here a little bit. He, he goes, what you might say, on the attack. Paul wanted the Colossian church to be strong. He wanted them to be able to resist the empty religion of the false teaching. Paul was, in essence, encouraging a balance and to stand on a firm foundation. His words warned the church not to fall into the traps of legalism. That's adding rules to the Bible's teaching. Or mysticism, which is just misguided spiritualism. And asceticism, which is depriving yourself for the sake of pride. The, the false teacher or teachers were preaching a message of extremes. It was an empty, dead religion. And his words are very appropriate today. As, as a whole, if we look at the church, the church is struggling because we honestly are paying too much attention to the world. Many churches have diluted their message to be political, politically correct. And some has gone, have gone as far as to forsake the truth. They've caved into culture, even as the culture is promoting a message that is in direct opposition to the Bible's truth. Of course, we can also go too far in the opposite direction. Some become self-righteous. They use the Bible as a weapon to beat people over the head. They make themselves to be judges, deciding what's right and what's wrong. And they go even as far as judging their fellow Christians in church. And these people also can twist the Bible to fit their own beliefs. And, and both those extremes happen, and they often come from within the church. And actually it proves that we're not that different than the Colossian church of nearly 2,000 years ago. But with either one of those extremes, the church has gotten out of balance. And to regain its balance, the church must stand on its firm foundation. We're built on a foundation that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock. He is the foundation that will help us as individuals and as the church stand in the face of cultural pressure, persecution, ridicule, and any misguided beliefs of leaders. Paul's words in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, provide warnings to help us be a, a balanced church and to live a balanced Christian life. And per, Paul's first warning was against legalism. Now, we said it a minute ago, legalism 
often adds rules that go beyond the teaching of the Bible. Legalists want you to obey their rules. And if you don't, they will point out your your failures. They are self-appointed judges. Look what Paul wrote in verse 16. He said, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Verse 16 there echoed what Paul wrote earlier in verse 8 of chapter 2, when he said, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, and according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul's warning there in verse 16 actually included two areas. And the first was diet, and the second was days. Let's begin with diet. In verse 21, Paul pointed out the legalist teaching. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It, it appears that this false teacher in the Colossian church was attempting to make the people, the members of that church, adhere to Jewish Old Testament food rules. These rules dealt with ceremonial purity. And many of those food rules appear in Leviticus chapter 11. And Leviticus 11 provides two lists, one list of clean foods and one list of unclean or forbidden foods. And forbidden foods included things like the camel and the rock badger. And my thought is, is that after church today, I don't know if any, any of us will be going out to have a camel steak or any rock badger rib, ribs. The truth is, we'd probably all rather have a cake pop. But these rules also prohibited eating things like shellfish and rabbit and pork. Now, God set up these rules to set the people apart from the pagan nations around them. They were to, the Jewish people were to look distinct. They were to look different. And it's also been thought that God might have put these rules in place for some health reasons as well. Paul was saying they're no longer needed. Jesus abolished the food rules. In Mark chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And at the end of verse 19, it adds, Thus Jesus declared all foods clean. Paul was taught the same lesson in Acts 10. Peter was told in a vision to associate with the Gentiles. Gentiles were anybody that wasn't Jewish. He was commanded to eat all kinds of animals, both clean and unclean. Uh, think about it this way. If Paul was to build relationships with the Gentiles who didn't hold to the Jewish food laws, how could he build that relationship if he wasn't allowed to eat with them? Paul also mentioned drink to the Colossians. Now, wine and alcoholic beverages are not bad in themselves. Jesus turned water into wine. Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine to ease his stomach issues. When handled properly, alcoholic drinks are not sinful. Of course, drunkenness is a sin. And if you struggle with an alcohol addiction, you shouldn't drink it. Paul's second area that he was dealing with legalism addressed days and the false teachings infiltrating the Colossian church were requiring the believers to observe certain holidays, certain festivals. There's a mention of a Sabbath in verse 16, and it's kind of unclear, but it might have been some special Jewish holiday. In Romans 6 and 7, Paul told us that we've been released from the ceremonial laws 
including the observance of special days. Paul went further and he described the food laws and observance of special days in verse 17. He said, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The food and drink and festival days were only a shadow of something coming that was better. We're deep into fall. Of course, today it's going to be 80 degrees and we're going to have severe thunderstorms. That doesn't sound like fall, but it is fall. And fall is a season of shadows. As, as the sun drops lower and lower in the sky, our shadows grow longer. And if you think about it, a shadow obviously looks a little bit like us. It's the outline of our body shape. Now, some of us don't like the outline of our body shape, so we don't like our shadows. But a shadow isn't real. It's just the appearance of something real. It doesn't have substance. And when Paul was speaking of shadows, Paul was saying the man-made rules that were being imposed on the Colossian church had no substance. Substance comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus is the real deal. The New Living Translation of the Bible said it this way, These rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So Paul's warning here against legalism is actually an encouragement for us to balance living. I know there are some Christians who still follow the Old Testament food rules. Others who don't drink wine or alcoholic beverages. And there may be a few, I don't know anyone, but they may observe holidays that we don't observe. And the fact is, that's okay. We don't have to correct them. Observing those rules and holidays may actually help some people in their faith. But, and this is what Paul was making clear, we should not allow others to impose those rules on us. That's legalism. The extra rules of the legalists are requirements that are not requirements of following Jesus. Now, legalism still shows up today in the church. It shows up in criticizing dis- different types of worship. Most often comes down to music. Fact is, is we may not like all the different types of Christian music. And that's okay. But as long as that music glorifies God, we need to accept it. Don't judge. Some people get dressed up to go to church. Others come casual. It's okay. God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at what we're wearing. Some worship with loud claps and hands raised high in the air, but others remain silent and reserved. Both are okay. Legalists are also self-appointed judges in areas where Christians disagree. They can include things like baptism, the second coming of Christ, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. A legalist will expect all Christians to live exactly like them. Not good. That's not healthy. But of course, we can also go to another extreme. Grace, as you know, is the free forgiveness of our sins. It's the greatest blessing. But even grace can be abused. Some think of grace as a license to go crazy. They take freedom and forgiveness as an excuse to live a life of gluttony, drunkenness, and blatant sin. And that too is wrong. 
God gave us rules, the laws of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said to love God and to love others. We have grace through Jesus Christ. See, both the law and grace are from God. A, a life of balance does its best to live by God's commands while being grateful our sins are forgiven when we fail to live by those commands. And we always remember Jesus is our example. He is our firm foundation. Now Paul's second warning was against mysticism. And another word for mysticism is spirituality. And I didn't want to make that a point because I thought that would confuse people because Christian spirituality is good. Getting into deceptive mysticism is not good. See, in the Colossians church, the false teachers were teaching a special spirituality that sometimes included going on and on about visions. Their spirituality was based in a self-pride. In verses 18 and 19, we read, Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Paul mentioned being puffed up by a sensuous mind. Again, I think the New Living Translation says it well. It says, their sinful minds have made them proud. Years ago, I attended a, a funeral that was officiated by Pastor Jim, our previous senior pastor. And, and Jim, as he always did, did a great job of honoring the man who died, but he also shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jim made one mistake in this funeral. It's a mistake that he actually pointed out to me later. See, Jim let a friend of the deceased be the last one to speak in that service. And afterwards, Jim said, Mark, don't you ever do that. And the reason is, is because after Jim shared the gospel, this friend got up and spoke of the deceased as being an angel. He said, this dead man was watching over us. He was protecting us. He was guiding us. He made this man into an angel, and not only an angel, he made him into a god. And then he said the deceased was traveling the universe, uncovering new truths. It was a load of stuff. Angels are real. Satan and his demons are real. Paul wrote about it in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Jesus battled Satan during his 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus spoke of the devil numerous times. And Jesus also referred to angels frequently. The Bible tells us that you and I might have actually someday seen an angel. Hebrews 13.12 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. The spiritual realm make some of us Christians kind of uneasy. And, and so we kind of just avoid it all together. We put it in the closet, we close the door. And that's not healthy Christian living. But others go the opposite direction. They're so focused on the spiritual that they often fall into the trap of making up their own beliefs. They're more about experience. 
And that's what happened to this man who was speaking at that funeral. Now, for one thing, I just want to be clear. When we pass away, when we go to heaven, we do not become angels. Angels are a different kind of created being. And we don't pray to angels. And we don't worship angels. And angels aren't on the same level as God. The, the false teachers in Colossae were getting carried away with visions as well. It was kind of over the top. Paul doesn't give us much detail. You know, along the same lines, I think we have to be careful sometimes because we can get carried away with prophecies concerning the return of Christ. Now, I've met Christians who spend so much time trying to predict Christ's return. And, and I'm always reminded to tell them that Jesus said we won't know the time of his return. We're to be ready. That's what he said, be ready. But don't get all wrapped up in the exact timing. Out-of-whack spiritualism is evidenced in uh, horoscopes, tarot cards, talking to the dead, and New Age beliefs. And through all that deceptive spiritualism, pride becomes an issue because we feel like, those people feel like, oh, I know more, I'm more spiritual. And it did the same for the false teachers of Colossae. The root problem, Paul says, with misguided spiritualism is that it is not holding fast to the head, which is Jesus, with a growth that is from God. You might want to say it this way. Such people are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. And so test everything against the Bible. God's Word will keep you and I grounded. Now Paul's third warning was against asceticism. Paul stated it in verse 18. He said, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. The words don't handle, don't taste, don't touch were another warning against asceticism. Now, asceticism is just a fancy word for saying something that's pretty simple. It's an unhealthy self-denial. An unhealthy self-denial. It's typically, again, associated with pride. The asceticist says, look at me. I am depriving myself for the cause of Christ. Just to be a big show. Spiritual disciplines. Praying, fasting. That's good. Not overindulging in material things. That's good. Not seeking pleasure as our priority is good. But the problem is the ascetic, the person who, who does asceticism here, they deny the beauty of what God has given us. God has given us Good food. He gave us cake pops. But God's also given us things like marriage. Now, not everyone will marry. But marriage is a gift from God. And staying single just to prove, just to prove that you are holy isn't healthy. Some of us have been blessed with children and grandchildren. We should enjoy them. We enjoy a cool, crisp fall day. Time together with friends and family is special. The bottom line is it's okay to enjoy things. It's okay to have fun. The asceticist rejects self. He or she denies themselves of joy. And at the extreme, they might not even take care of their own bodies. Again, balance is the key. Look at how Jesus lived. I mean, for when I look at Jesus' life, it seems like he enjoyed life. He didn't overindulge. He fasted. He also attended parties. Jesus spent time 
alone in prayer. But he also experienced close personal relationships with his disciples. Jesus never sinned. Jesus loved children. And, and you know what? The fact that children were attracted to him, I'm sure Jesus had to laugh. But he gave his life for us. Living a, a balanced life means we stand on the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. Sometimes in church here we recite a, a historic foundational statement of the Christian faith. It's not the Bible. It's not perfect. We call it the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed was originally written, the first version was written about 300 years after the birth of Christ. And I thought this morning we would close by reciting this ancient declaration of faith together. The words are going to be on the screen. Same together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, who descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the one holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I had us do that because those words speak to our foundation in Christ. And they remind us of our life. worship team will now come up and if you're able please stand as we sing our closing song